And just like that, we are back with season two. Oh, how I've missed the ladies. I am so delighted to have them back on the screen. And those new characters we met in season one seem to be getting more airtime as well. I look forward to seeing how their stories unfold in this season. Okay, let's do it. Time to discuss and recap season two, episode one. So many highlights, including uh, the infamous bird on the head. I am so delighted to be kicking off Series 2 with you, James Weir. Welcome back. Hello, lady. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this all over again. I know, I know. Did we, did we think Season 2 was going to come back? Of course we knew it was going to come back. I wasn't expecting it to come back with quite a bang-bang. And in the first 30 seconds, oh right? God. Like like seeing all the, all the ladies in the doorways of their bedrooms while... while Elton John and Britney Spears is playing in the background and they all slink into their husbands. And do you think that's because last year with the first season, part of the criticism was this is meant to be a Sex in the City reboot and there's absolutely no sex. So yeah. they're like, you want sex? We've got sex. We're giving you Here's all the of sex. the sex. We're giving you sex in every room of the house. We're giving you outdoor <laughs> sex in LA in the pool. What oh my goodness, that? jacuzzi sex, Sammy. That, see, that leads to an infection. That leads to an infection. I, I don't do jacuzzis or spas for that reason. Like, you just don't know no. what's gone on in that water before you get in it. Uh, why, why was everyone so horny? Yeah, it was, It was. you know, you're going to criticise us for no sex? Here, take this, take that. What was your overall impression of Ep 1, Season 2? My overall impression was the writers went in trying to not right some wrongs, but prove us wrong. Prove us, the viewers, who had so much to say about season one. And I think right off the bat, they wanted to show, you thought Che's unlikable? They are not unlikable. And just like that, Che's not annoying anymore. Am I the only one in thinking Che's not annoying anymore? Oh, I don't know. I agree that... They've tried really hard to make Che more likable. Um, I've got theories, by the way, and I'll mm, save them, but I've got theories about what's happening there. <laughs> me too. Me too. Let's start off with Carrie and Franklin in the bed. We're all delighted by the fact that Franklin's getting more airtime, let's be honest. I love Franklin's Fra a babe. I love Franklin so much. And look, if Carrie only wants him on a Thursday night, I will take the other six. I'm just mm -hmm. put my hand up. Mm -hmm. It's all yours. <laughs> if you sleep with someone at work, are you giving away your power? I loved that whole storyline. It was it was thought provoking. It, it felt more current yeah. and it felt a bit smarter than some of the storylines we went with last season. What do you think? Should You're you right. sleep with someone at work? You're, sp you're speaking to someone who has slept with someone at work, but I think there's kind of there's nuance to the situation, Sammy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think mm -hmm. Carrie's made a grave error. You never sleep with someone who you work with directly in your department because really when you're at your job, you need to be the most unattractive version of yourself in order to do a good job, okay? <laughs> they, need to have, they need to hear you being a bitch on the phone, you having meltdowns over deadlines. If you're going to sleep with someone in the office, they need to be someone on like on level four in finance, okay? If you work in editorial, they cannot be anywhere near the creative process. They want to know the dateable you, not the undateable <laughs> they are, you. They need to know the fictionalized me that I put out into the world until I have locked them down. 
Then you reveal yourself, Sammy. Yeah. I once dated a cameraman that I was working with on a TV show and it gave me oh, all totally the power. Wild. Totally it wild. It was on Totally Wild, absolutely. Oh, my God. And it gave me, I felt like it didn't take away my power. It gave me all the power because I was always perfectly lit. He always made me look amazing. <laughs> I just had to avoid working with him after we broke up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. See, you used the, you used the workplace hookup to your advantage and then so what when you guys when you guys broke up did you get him fired from the mount kuta studio no, up in brisbane at totally no, no no i think we'd both got on to other shows by then but then like years later we met on a show and he was shooting it and it was a pilot for some home renovation show or something you know there was that moment where i was like i dumped you quite a few years ago and you now are shooting me so now you have all the power back <laughs> He, he gave you severe downlighting. He shot you from like under your chin. <laughs> well, James, let me just tell you, I didn't get the job. So okay. I'm not going to say it was the way I was lit, but maybe it was the way I was lit. Do you know what I loved most about this scene? And it came later was when they were having a conversation with Seema and she called it an actionable booty call. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like that. She's, she's got some good lines, Seema. I'm loving Seema in this um, in this episode. I, I like Seema overall, even in the first season. I mean, I'm petitioning for Seema to get her own spin-off. I really enjoy her. I would just watch entire episodes of Seema <laughs> driving around in the backseat of a limo while smoking. <laughs> <laughs> just, and just observing Manhattan. I would watch a 30-minute episode. <laughs> but it's a really ugly brown car. Can we not get her a better car? Let's get her a nice slick white or black Bentley or something. But that's what I like. I feel like Seema brings maybe that touch of like that gritty older New York from mm. the, what the first series brought. You know, in the 90s, it was the imperfect, perfect kind of New York. Yeah. You know, that old school New York. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that she brings to this series. Because the other ladies don't have it anymore. Mm. You know, they don't. Mm. There are a few more rungs up in the world now. Like Carrie doesn't need to. Carrie's literally got no problems because she's got all of Mr. Big's like dead person money. So <laughs> you're right. Seema needs to bring them down a little bit. Carrie's conversation in bed with Franklin about learning to poach an egg. And he says, it's not too late. You've got the three minutes. Was that a metaphor for something else, that whole conversation? I I feel like it did that classic thing that we all love about the Sex and the City episodes of Yore, where they're setting Carrie up to kind of do a callback later in the episode to something rather innocuous to try and tie all these weird life strands into one neat analogy or metaphor, you know, and we see it even the next morning when she does try to poach the egg and, and Charlotte busts her and then you know, Carrie doesn't know what to say. And she just says, you know, Charlotte, sometimes you need to try something new, like poaching an egg. <laughs> um, yeah, And then, like, I just, I mean, I love this, but it also annoys me where they try and, like, go really deep on something. And it's just an egg. Sometimes sometimes poaching an egg doesn't need a deeper meaning, Sammy. Like poaching an egg is literally just poaching an egg. But it was also kind of the new Carrie in the old environment. I don't know. Or maybe you're right. She just wanted to poach a bloody egg. Hey, on that note, with Charlotte coming over the next morning when mm. she's poaching the egg, can we put a call out to all writers of all TV shows and movies, anything set in the current day, no one ever drops by unannounced, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. You text mm -hmm. them first. Agree. You call them first. You say, are you home? I'm in the neighbourhood. Can we stop doing this? It never happens. Yeah. Yeah, if someone's doing that, they are no longer your friend. <laughs> like, if anyone did that to me, especially at eight in the morning on a weekday. 
Um, and, when, and when you're poaching eggs for the very first time, I imagine that's very stressful too, Sammy. I mean, that's the most stress Carrie's experienced in quite some time. One of my dear friends actually is my neighbour and lives on the same floor as me. I would never think to just go and knock on her door at any time of the day. I would text her first and say, honey, mm. you home, can I pop over? And she lives literally 10 steps from my front door. So anyway, I think I've made my point. I think we need to enjoy Franklin while we have him because my spidey senses say he's not going to be around for long we've got to mm. make way we've got to make room for Aiden in Carrie's life yeah he's a hot red herring hopefully he will stay in some way or maybe there'll be a weird love triangle when Aiden comes back oh my goodness could you imagine if we relive an Aiden love tri- an Aiden and Carrie love triangle 20 years after big it's <laughs> actually what was I saying? We, none of us can live through that again. We all no. survived the first time. We don't ah. need to do that again. Oh my god! Let's talk about Miranda and Shay. Mm. My I'm, goodness, they took loving life in that jacuzzi in California. It's the best Miranda, thing um, ever, Miranda. Oh. That was getting so annoying, you know, every because it wasn't just once. It was, it's the best me ever. It's the best holiday ever. It's the best day ever. Oh. Cynthia Nixon's overacting. I don't know when this happened. I don't remember her overacting in the original series. Let's dial it you, back a little, Cynthia, please. I love you, but... Well, she, oh. Do you think she's just really self-conscious about the kind of the pivot that this role has taken? Yep. It's like she's trying too hard. But maybe that is a reflection of what the character is feeling because it's a whole new life and a whole new her. And we saw she became redhead again at the end of last mm-hmm. series. I'm glad that's carried through to series two. It just looks like Miranda. It looks like the old yeah. Miranda. Just doesn't sound like the old Miranda. And you know that uh, Miranda going from grey hair to red hair in the first season is my favourite story arc of that first season. <laughs> it was just full of the kind of raw emotion and the nuance that I want from prestige television. You know, I mean, it, it, and show don't tell, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just we could visually see that she was in a better place. And did you see, though, in this first uh, episode of season two, there was a bit of a glimpse of the old Miranda again, and not just with the with the red hair. It was when she's on this phone call and she's in this kind of hydro tank and she's naked and she's climbing out of the hydro tank and she's like slipping around and she's naked. It's not a hot scene, okay? It's not a hot look. And she says like, fuck me, fuck my life, fuck, I hate this. And that was just this glimpse of old Miranda that we hadn't seen in quite some time because it's, you know, on this kind of new life journey that she's been on, she's been forcing herself to be upbeat and optimistic. And it was just this little dose of cynicism that we always loved from that character. Mm. The sensory deprivation tank scene had a lot with it. I think she was on the phone to Naya. She was FaceTiming Naya at the start and saying, it's the best me ever. And I'm thinking, is it though? Is it though? And then of all the scenes to be fully naked in, that tank was a very awkward experience. I mean, was that meant to be a slapstick kind of funny scene of her trying to get out of the tank? (laughs) I just thought of all the scenes to have full frontal nudity because we saw it all. Was it meant to be kind of slapstick and funny or was it just an excuse for Miranda to be naked to kind of continue to push the envelope with this character as far as we can? Yeah, I don't think it was funny. I think it was kind of just intended to kind of be like, let's put her in an embarrassing situation. Let's embarrass the character. 
Mm. Um, and that I don't like that, you know, unless it's kind of like serving a purpose, you know, like unless that scene was happening in front of Che, mm. you know, and like Che's kind of laughing, but then it kind of shows that how in love they are, that they can be in these unattractive moments together. That That would be the purpose of that. But for us, it's kind of just embarrassing the character in front of us, the viewer. It you know, just, like it, why why torture her? It just didn't have a purpose other than, for me, there were other ways to show Miranda being a bit of a fish out of water in her new LA lifestyle. Right. Um, and then it moved into, of course, the strap-on scene, which again was that slapstick kind of like her trying yeah. to put it on and she's in the background while Che's on the phone and putting it on sideways and the overacting. And it just, it's all just so it's messy goofy. to me. It's goofy. Yeah, I know. And it's like... I feel like you're probably the same. It doesn't make me uncomfortable to see any of that, but I just sort of wonder why we're embarrassing a character, like yeah. embarrassing the character when, like you said, there's so many other ways to show that someone's, you know, a fish out of water like that or pushing themselves out of the realm of their comfort zone. What I am loving, though, in this first episode, scenes or images of middle-aged women in their underwear and showing middle-aged women's bodies and with Miranda we saw it you know she's got tummy rolls there's shots from the back where you see the cellulite on her thighs I think we saw it with Lisa too in her red underwear with her husband yeah Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with that Lisa scene and that Miranda scene and I just wish that they would kind of let Miranda be in that glory for a little bit you know like and not have to embarrass her with like wrestling the leather harness of a strap on (laughs) so Che I hear your argument that it seems like they're trying really hard to make Che more likable. And I've got a theory. I've got a theory of how they've kind of gone about it. I feel like they're like, yep, we've seen the memes. We've read the think pieces. We've heard you loud and clear. You think Che's annoying. We're going to make Che less annoying. And the way we're going to do that is by surrounding Che with people who are more annoying than they are. (laughs) Enter, enter BD, the showrunner with blue hair. The blue hair, the most annoying person in episode exactly. one. Yes. And, and so they're surrounding Che with people by who are more annoying than they are. So just by pure association, <laughs> Che's annoyance level goes down. And they also show Che, like Che themselves is getting annoyed by all of these other annoying people. So we relate to Che because we, we, we have a shared common enemy. Yeah. And it's just like in the workplace, nothing unites a team like a shared enemy. <laughs> and so now we're on Che's side. They've also given Che body insecurities and we see Che crying about it. So now we all look like assholes for not liking Che for the past year. Oh, touche, writers. Oh, touche. I just, that, look, well, let's go first the stand-up routine. We've only seen very small glimpses. Che, sorry, still not funny. There was one still lame joke about taking an Uber from the bathroom to the bedroom. You can do better than because, that. Because <laughs> did you know that people in LA drive everywhere? Oh, really? I didn't know. Let's make a joke about Ubers. I felt like Che was less likeable because they kept rejecting Miranda. Like they rejected Miranda's hug after their show. And at first mm-hmm. you think, oh, that's just Che being a little standoffish. But then Che ends up telling Miranda they're on a diet, which is why they keep pushing Miranda away. And it all just seemed ridiculously out of character. Che would be the last person I expect to cave to pressure about their weight or looks. I think that, again, I think that was all part of the strategy to make us like change our minds about Che. And by seeing Che pushing Miranda away with kind of no reason and in a bit of an an aloof and mean way, Mm. I think the writers were challenging us maybe they were setting us up to fail because in those scenes where we see that it's it's increasing our dislike of this character 
only to then hopefully at the end of the episode twist it and go, ah, you guys are the assholes because really Che's dealing with these insecurities and they, they weren't pushing uh, Miranda away because they're being an asshole. They were pushing uh, Miranda away because they're dealing with this stuff behind the scenes. So I think that, again, it was a way to kind of hold the mirror up to us as the audience. I think that was the intention, but it sounds like it didn't have an effect with you or, or many other people because there are many other people that are saying Che is just as annoying as season one. Mm, I felt like there was a very strong motivation in episode one to make Che appear more vulnerable. It seemed like yeah. a disconnect to me, but I'll be curious to see where that goes. Speaking of things that are unbelievable, like Che's vulnerability, I mean, do we really believe that all of these ladies got invited to the Met Ball and that Anna Wintour is letting them all just handball invitations to each other, even an hour before the event? I've never been to the Met Ball, Sammy, and I've never met Anna Wintour, but, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure none of that is allowed. I agree. One thing I loved, though, was, uh, do you believe this is true? Remember when, I don't know if it was Carrie or Seema said, they only let the celebrities walk up the stairs. Is that true? Because you know how sometimes these, when things like this happen in an episode, they get fact-checked in a lot of, like, yes. you know, news articles that come out. I haven't read anything about that particular tidbit, but, I mean, it would kind of make sense. Well, you never because see. Surely, like, no, you never see just the random people from Vogue <laughs> walking. Water. Maybe they are and we just don't recognise who they are. There was one really interesting fact check that I did see in an article, a review mm. saying how could they possibly mispronounce the Met Ball? It's actually the Met Gala. So why yeah. the entire show do they call it the Met Ball? Carrie, of all people, worked at Vogue. She should know the actual name is the Met Gala, not the Met You're Ball. Right. So You're right. maybe there's some copyright thing where they weren't allowed to call it the Met Gala or was that just yeah. one of those? Like we had several of those in series one, remember, where things just yeah. weren't factually correct. Perimenopause, menopause, remember that? So was that those... sloppy writing or deliberate? Well, and, and they're very easy things to fact check when you, <laughs> I think, when you're writing it. I did love this existential crisis Seema had, the man or the Met who do you choose, James Weir? <sighs> the man or the Met? You have either lunch with your boyfriend and his son mm. and ex-wife or you go to the Met. You go to the Met Ball. And the thing is, if, if the man has a problem with that, he is not the man for you, much like friends who do unannounced house calls, you know? <laughs> exactly. And you can have lunch with your partner and his anytime. son and ex-wife anytime. But once you get that Met Ball invite, which leads me to Anthony, beautiful Anthony, being dumped as a Met Plus One multiple times. That was so disrespectful of both Carrie and Charlotte. Would you put up with that business from your friends? Look, I'm I'm just only very slightly aware of your friendship group that you roll in, Sammy, and just I assume none of you would have no more gay best friends left. You would have every gay man in your life. You would be cut. You know, from I've Sydney's got a few. Scene. I mean, I totally would. I'd be ostracised from Sydney's gay You'd community, and you know they are my lifeblood. So I know mm. that behaviour is not on. Is not on. I know they're um they're using him just as a uh, as a convenient prop. <laughs> to be dumped and handwalled, as you said, back and forth from friend to friend multiple times. I just thought that was appalling behaviour. And quite frankly, I expect more from Carrie and Charlotte. I know. I, it was a bit of an arsehole move. I uh, agree. I agree. 
But on the plus side, there was no better way to put the focus on fashion than to have a Met Gala, Met Ball, whatever you want to call it, theme in episode one of series two. My my big question here is, Carrie, why would she risk an unknown fashion designer for the Met of all things? Fashion is her thing. And she goes with some nobody fashion designer? But it was such, I mean, again, it was just such a way to bring Jackie, one of the podcast producers, into the episode, who was really just a gift turned into a character. True. Like, that's what, that's what Jackie is. And just his, you know, his girlfriend is the designer of that dress. Did you think, though... As soon as Jackie's girlfriend, who's the designer, walks into Carrie's apartment and pulls out that big blue cape, I instantly thought that's the same blue as the bird, you know, with the goes with the wedding dress. And we're probably going to see a comeback with that later on in this storyline. Did you see that? Look at you. You didn't pick up on that either? No, I did not think that far ahead, I guess. So that was the bird on the head from the original wedding Mm. dress. Do you remember with that move, with the first movie that it appeared in, that inspired, I think, a lot of the marketing around the movie. So that colour blue was used in a lot of the marketing. And in this season, a lot of the marketing is in that blue as well, like on the posters. So that's kind of why, that's what it had been on my mind. I feel like it was kind of a very roundabout way of bringing us back to the Vivian Westwood wedding dress that got worn once and the bird on the head. It was just an unbelievable storyline that Carrie would ever risk an unknown designer bringing her the dress a few hours before, you know, the Met. I just, it seemed just so unbelievable to me. One moment I did love, and I don't know if you saw it, when she answered the door and she was in the kimono and the designer said, oh, that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. kimono. And she said, yes, my friend Stamford sent it to me from Japan. And it was so nice having Stamford. um, I know. A little nod. A little nod to the past. A little nod. It was beautiful. Let's talk about the moment of Carrie coming out of that apartment on the stoop in that wedding dress with the bird on her head and that beautiful blue cloak was a moment, one of those Sex in the City moments that we just live for. Magnificent. Totally. It was like classic end to a classic style Sex in the City episode, you know, her walking down, her walking down the street in that great outfit, great soundtrack playing over the top. I mean, it, you have got me thinking though, Sammy, you know, with um, Carrie and everyone keeps calling it the, uh, the Met Ball and not the Met Gala. What if, like, the end of the episode was that they all go to the Met Ball and it's not actually the Met Gala, it's literally just a completely different event called the Met Ball and they're all dressed like they should go to the Met Gala. <laughs> Joke's on us. Oh, Joke's on I love us. It. Well, do you know what? I loved that magnificent moment of Carrie in that dress and cloak at the end, but I'm wondering, did Lisa... Have a bigger moment. That shot of did, Lisa yeah, crossing yeah. the road in her red dress with the train and the husband running along behind her. That was a sex in the city moment that I feel should have been Carrie's. Lisa robbed Carrie of that, that right. exquisite moment. Sell Carrie's thunder. <laughs> Do you think that was so intentional, though, to, to show that this is an ensemble cast and it's no longer just about Carrie? And so they give Carrie a smaller moment and let one of the new characters have the big mammoth moment. But yeah, it was huge. 
Yeah, huge. I definitely feel like on that note, there was a lot more airtime just in this first episode. We saw a lot more of Lisa at home with the husband and the kids and the home life and the work life and, you know, juggling being a busy working mum. And also with Naya, with the, you know, the husband, is he having an affair, drunk FaceTiming her husband? They got a lot more airtime. Is, is that an indication of things to come? I think so. I think they were really laying the groundwork in this first episode to set them up for more media storylines, which is what I kind of thought, particularly with, you know, the the drunk phone call with Naya, like showing the, you know, the relationship problems and then opening her up potentially for, you know, for other things to happen later in the season. I hope hipster Heidi in the hat comes back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the backup ah! singer. He's totally having an affair with the backup singer. Come on. When oh he goodness. rejected her FaceTime call, that's the moment you know. I don't want you to see what's here in my hotel room, hipster Heidi in the hat. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Well, uh, I feel like we've had a really great goss about episode one. Have you got any other observations from this episode? You know, my big thing was that was just really what what they're doing to to make up for the commentary that came off the back of season one and how they're setting us up for this season two. I'm very curious to know how how and when Aiden reappears. Um, how do you feel about Aiden re-entering the scene down the track? Oh gosh, Kiri, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm curious to see what the new iteration of Aiden is because we've seen like two iterations. Mm. We saw mm. the um, the chunky guy in the tidy whities eating KFC, finger looking good Making while carries that party in. Yeah, making furniture. And then we saw the other iteration where he's got the baby tater um, and he's kind of slimmed down and he's cut the hair and he's got rid of the turquoise jewellery. Um, yeah. Or actually, we have seen a third iteration we in, the movie. in the movie. So what, yeah. And now what's the new version of Aiden going to be? That's what I want to know. Well, you divorced. Know, because, how many kids has he got? How um, many kids has he got? Emotionally, where is he? He is such a sucker for punishment. Carrie's the one that got away for him. He's going to be I all know. in. I just hope she doesn't chew him up and spit him out again. I'm kind of torn <laughs> between wanting to have that, you know, the history and the romance of Aiden or just move on and let's have some more Franklins. Now, what's your theory on Samantha? I love that we've all bullied Kim Cattrall into doing something she absolutely doesn't want to do. It's my favourite way to get anyone to do Stop anything. It. Just Don't. like public, publicly public and loudly shame. bully them into doing something against their will. <laughs> I mean, I and we. Did, I mean, the writers did that last year in the first season. They were putting her, the ghost of Samantha, yeah. just into these text messages, and some, like Kim Cattrall's like, I said I don't want to be involved, and they're like, well. Apparently you're typing text messages. Those three grey dots are appearing. Didn't you uh, see she did that interview on The View recently where they said, oh, you know, what so happened? And she was like, well, the boss of HBO called and said, what <laughs> no. can we do? And she's like, oh, well. So she's definitely got the power in that situation. She has. She's dick swinging. She's oh, dick swinging. Man. And I love all the stuff. I love the narrative that's swirling all around it, how they she only agreed to it if they filmed the scene with none of the girls or my Michael Patrick King there. <laughs> it was on like an empty soundstage and I love it all. I'm really fascinated by this. I read Evan Handler. Yeah. He plays Harry, right? Charlotte's mm-hmm. husband. He told People magazine no one else on the show had contact with her when she shot the scene. And he has quoted as saying this, the only mm-hmm. place I have to welcome her is into my living room when it airs on television. Ouch. Like, does the whole cast hate her? I thought it was just a a Sarah Jessica Parker thing. Do you think it's kind of bled out into the rest of the cast the way that feuds played out over, like, the last two or three years? So I think eventually 
they've all got to kind of take someone's side well, and they're going to take the side of the person who pays their bills because Sarah Jessica Parker could yeah. be the executive yeah. producer, right? The only um, place I have to welcome her is into my living room when it airs on television. Like, that's brutal. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait until she comes back. I wonder, though, whether the end product of it is going to match the hype that's around it. So my theory is she is on the phone to Carrie and Carrie's having some crisis and it's literally Samantha on the phone going, darling, I'm coming home. And that leaves it open for her to reappear in the third Um, series. So I think it's going to be the very last episode, almost the very last scene of the last episode mm -hmm. as a little kind of teaser that Samantha is coming back for series three. Okay, I like that. I really, I really enjoyed that. That excites me. Do you think that they're going to get Kim Cattrall agreeing to season three? Or is that a problem for a later date? Like, we're not going to deal with that problem right now. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But it will also keep us guessing and keep us watching and hanging on every tidbit of information we can get for series three. It's been fab chatting to you as always, all things and just like that. And hey, lastly, I promise you, if I ever invite you to the Met Gala... I will never uninvite you. Thank you. That means so much. And in return, I promise to never make unannounced house calls. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.